This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to the episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, we're going to give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And we're going to give a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. Okay, tip number one. This is an exercise tip. If you are performing any form of a row, a bent-over row, a seated cable row, I don't care what it is. If you're performing any form of a row, initiate the movement by pulling with your elbow as opposed to pulling with your hand. It makes a significant impact, all right? So what, what I'm saying is when most people are doing their seated rows or a barbell bent over a row or a dumbbell one-arm row, they are just trying to yank that dumbbell up with their hand. And as you do that, you're not really engaging all the right muscles to initiate the movement. When you pull it with your elbow first, just try right now while you're, while you're listening to this, just try and just move that elbow back first. What do you feel in your that big slab of meat in your back? Yeah, you feel that lat, that lat in your back, that big giant piece of meat you got on your back. That is what is starting to engage, initiate the movement first. That's engaged early. And you're going to be able to pull a lot more weight. So again, initiate any form of a row by pulling with the elbow. Okay, tip number two, something we're experimenting with. And I say we because it was me, Joe Marechko, and Mark Strange. We experimented with something called a snake run this morning, a snake run. So if you've been sprinting with us, you realize that now we're not just doing a lot of linear sprinting where you're running straight. We've also been running on curves. So there are uh, beautiful lines on the field that we go to. It's like a soccer field. And some of them are like arcs. Some of them are half circles. And we're running around these circles just to, to get a different way of moving our body as we're running. And uh, Joe Marechko has sent me an Instagram ready video of something called a snake run. So as opposed to just running around one arc. And imagine you got to – let's make this simple for people. Imagine you are at the top of a basketball key and there's that circle around the key. Imagine you just ran from one top of that key around that circle to the other. You're just now you're running at a full circle. You're just making an arc. We were doing things like that. But now what Joe Marechko has added to it is when you get to that first arc – Right, So if I make the arc, now I don't stop, and I come back and I make an arc in the exact opposite way. So imagine how a snake would look on the ground as it slithers. You are running in that slithering uh, movement. You're just going, you're kind of going like a slalom, a solemn, solemn, I don't know how to say it properly, down like a ski scope, but you're running like that. And you probably have about 10 to 15 yards between each cone. So it's not like you're stopping, breaking, it's not straight lines. You are running on a curved angle in the formation of a snake. And hence the word snake runs. And it really does, it engages your core because you have to stabilize your core a lot to stay in the pattern that you're moving. Give it a shot. Uh, it's an interesting new, uh, new twist to running to make it a little bit more interesting. Okay, tip number three. Tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about. It is, it is much easier to act your way into a new way of thinking as opposed to 
think your way into a new way of acting. And I might have said this one before. I don't care. I'll say it again. It's just a quote that I've been thinking about a lot. Again, it's, it is much easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. So what I'm talking about really has to do with the development of habits, right? Let me start doing little things. I have to do a lot of little things. Do a couple of little things. Do them consistently. And then you're going to develop this habit. And then when I develop this habit, that starts to change my behaviors. And then when my behaviors change, and when I do it with a bunch of people, if we all have the same habits that develop into the same behaviors, then we start to change the culture. So if you want to change the culture of an organization, a sports team, whatever it is, you have to start acting your way. Start with acting. You can't just tell people to change and they're going to start thinking they're going to do it. Have them develop these little mini habits. Some would even call them atomic habits, a book that I'm reading right now. I'm actually on chapter one of it that kind of brought this thought into my mind. Have them develop these little habits that is going to change their behaviors, which will change the culture. Okay, tip number four, five, and six. Yes, I am lumping them all into one. So just, I'll give you the categories to remind you of what these things usually are. Four is something I've read that's moved me. Five is a productivity tip, and six is the strangest thing I saw all week. I am going to combine all of these into one tip. So four, five, and six are all combined into one thought. And that is, I'll start with the strangest thing I saw all week. I had emailed Element because they had given me a sample which uh, that I'm going to distribute to our guys. So a sample of grapefruit salt that's coming back. I just emailed them to say, well, thank you. And they emailed me back saying, hey, we're not here. We're off this week. <laughs> so we'll get back to you in a week. And they said, here's the work structure that we're following. So first of all, that's pretty cool that like their auto response didn't just say, hey, uh, we'll be back to you in a week. They said, we're not here this week, and here's why. And if you want to learn about it, we're going to tell you why. So what Element T is doing, Element, Element T, whatever you want to call them, what they're doing is they're working three weeks on and one week off. I'll say that again. They're working three weeks on and one week off. So it's the strangest thing that I ever saw that they get an auto response explaining why they're not here. And then a full tutorial, they're like, yeah, if you want to learn more about this, click on this Word document, and this is going to explain exactly why we're working three weeks on and one week off. So pretty cool. That's the strangest thing I saw all week. I'm going to go back to tip number five. Uh, this is the, the productivity part. And tip number four, the thing that I read that moved me. So the productivity part is that, well, as I'm reading this, it's moving me because I love it. So I, I had read a book a long time ago called Row, called uh, Results Only Work Environment. Actually, the name of the book is not Row. The name of the book is Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It, which is a great book. And they promote this concept called Row. It's called Results Only Work Environment. And their basic premise was you work when you want, where you want, how you want, and we're going to judge you based on your results and not on how many hours you're sitting in the office, uh, in your cubicle, or in your open space, or whatever it is. We're not going to judge you by how many – how that. We're going to judge you by the results that you get. And because we trust you as an employee, if you want to wake up at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and write a report as opposed to wake up in the morning on Monday and write that report, well, then write it Saturday and take Monday morning off. This was the concept of this results-only work environment. So what I liked about this three and one concept was that maybe it's not the same, but it does get into the – it fights the, the, the thought of, okay, I have to go to work five days a week, nine to five, and this is the best way to do it. They're essentially saying, no, this is not the best way to do it. We're going to work three weeks on and focus – and the way they're doing it, they are basing it off of what's being done in the technology industry, which is called sprints. So if you work uh, maybe for a company like Google, they work on something called a sprint. And that, what it means is I'm going to focus on this thing. I have this team of people that are only going to work on this thing. 
and there's going to be some sort of a product owner. And his that person's job is to make sure that that team only works on that thing. They'll talk to some clients. They'll say, what do you want? They'll filter out the garbage and they'll go back to that team. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to work on this thing and only this thing. And then that team works on that thing. And then they, they work on it during the sprint. And when they're done, then they'll move on to the next thing. But they're not going to be distracted by 10 different things. So this is essentially the model that Element is trying to take. They're going to say, look, we're going to work on this sprint for three weeks. They're leveraging it. It's not exactly like what Google does, but who cares? I don't think anyone's actually mastered this uh, in any way, shape, or form. Take it to, again, it's a results-only work environment. In my mind, take it how it works for you. Work on this thing. And then they are valuing that one week off as a break. So it's three weeks on, one week off. And the break is, it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm going to equate this back to what we do or what we did when I was training people at advanced training and what I did when I was a head football coach. We would follow actually the same mantra. We would go three weeks in the gym and then one week a deload week. Three weeks in the gym, one week in a deload week. Three weeks in the gym, one week in a deload week. Why? Well, I felt exactly the same way. We're going to work hard for three weeks on the program that we're going to have. And then I'm going to give you some time off to recalibrate, to refresh. Because even if my program is the greatest program in the world, at some point, you're going to get sick of hearing my voice. I got to keep you hungry. I got to keep you wanting more. So if I keep pressing and pressing and pressing, then you're going to, you're going to hate me by the time this is all over. So let's take that little mini break after every three weeks. That was one of the reasons why. And I think it's a big one, right? Sometimes you're a trainer. You're so obsessed with what you're doing. You're so obsessed with, with, the, grind, with the grind that you just want your guys to keep going and going and going. But you got to take that mini break, man. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. If you want, uh, I will send it to you. I, I, I had written an article for Elite FTS called Thank God It's a Deload Week. And it really got into the, the mental part of why we took these breaks every fourth week. Now, the other part of this is that it's a great time to look and see if your program is working. So what I would do in that one week off, I wouldn't be in the gym as much with these guys. It would be a deload week. So I would look at our program. I would look at every single one of the workout sheets that I had given these guys. They all got their own sheets. I'd look at the weights. I'd look at their progress. And then I would recalibrate. Am I right or am I wrong? How is, is this person progressing as fast as I thought or are they progressing more slowly than I thought? And then I would just adjust their next sheet to how fast they were progressing, either in the weights either in the repetitions or the actual training that they were doing. So if a guy like couldn't do a back squat, we still had him doing goblet squats, then okay, we're going we're gonna to progress this guy at that level. Or maybe he can't do a dumbbell hang clean at this point. Maybe we just have him do a, a vertical jump, right? So this is the things that I'm looking at every week on their sheets. So I really love this mantra. And that's what they're saying. Three weeks on, one week off. That week off, we're going to refresh ourselves. We're going to recalibrate. And oh, by the way, during those three weeks, if you can't get stuff done, that for that sprint, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Maybe you're doing too much stuff. So Element, I tip my hat to you. I love every second of the way you're thinking. I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that you have to follow a three-in-one model. I think what you should do is follow the principles of you don't have to work in a box uh, just because somebody said that nine to five are working hours doesn't mean that's when you'll be most productive, right? And I also believe that there, you do need time to be refreshed and you need time to recalibrate. And if you just keep training people, let's stick to training right now, or coaching people all the time, they're going to be sick of you. And I'll say this, even as a coach, my thought was, I don't want these guys sick of me in the, at the end of November when we're getting into a championship game. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So we're just going to keep them hungry all year. If I wear them out in May, who cares, right? Nobody's winning uh, a prize for Memorial Day. No one's winning a championship on Memorial Day. I, they have to be 
hungry until the last day. How many teams burn out in November because they trained too hard or too consistently all year? And I'm not saying we should slack off. There's people that have gone too far with the grind. I'm just saying you got to keep your people hungry. And these seasons are marathons. They are not. They can't be sprints if you take it as an entire season. Don't take what I'm saying wrong here. If you take it from the offseason, preseason, camp, this is a marathon. You got to get it in little chunks. And what, what, this, what, what they show too, well, so I'll get off of this <laughs> in one second, but this really did move me. They sent a clip from Naval, who I think is one of the smartest men alive. So they said, we're inspired by this interview that Joe Rogan, Rogan did with Naval. And what he is saying is you need to work like a lion, not like a cow. So what does that mean? So a lion... Uh, Let's start with the cow. They graze all day. They graze all day. And this guy, Naval, said, look, we are information athletes. You need to work like a lion. You're going to go. You're going to hunt. You're going to rest. You're going to go. You're going to hunt. You're going to rest. I'm not going to graze all day. I I truly believe that's the way you need to train people. That's the way you need to practice because we are athletes. We are these these cheetahs. We are feeding cats. Right? That's what we say. We are feeding cats. So take that into your programming. Take that into your work, whatever way you want. But you got to keep your people fresh. You got to keep your people focused. They can only attention on pay the put their attention on so much. So uh, probably going off on a tangent, but uh, you can see how passionate I am about this stuff. So uh, awesome job, Element. I am highly, highly impressed. I love your product. I love the way you're doing business. I love it. Okay, now we're going to shift gears. We're going to get into this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. And I, I'll say that this this day was probably one of the best days ever in advanced training history. It, I'll say it again. It was one of the best days ever in advanced training history. And what's good is the buildup to the day. So we had seen on the forecast that there was going to be rain on Saturday morning. And it was going to be uh, cold for May. And we're in May, but it's going to be about 46 degrees. And... I have this weather bug app, and what I've learned from the weather bug app is that it will tell you the precipitation rate. So not only am I looking at the percent chance of rain, but now I'm looking at the volume of rain there will be during that day. I used to just look at 90% rain. Okay, it's cold. We're going to cancel, guys. You're going to be miserable. We got to feed cats around here. But now we're getting to playoff time. Uh, we got to get people points to get into or out of the playoffs. We can't be canceling things. We got Mother's Day today. We really couldn't shift things around too much. So, hey. If the precipitation rate is low, then we're going to go. Meaning if it's just a drizzle, we're going to go. So guys are asking me, my wife says, there's a lot of wishful thinking. Are we going to cancel tomorrow? You know, same guys that will yell at me if I do cancel are asking me if we're going to cancel. And I'm saying, no, we're not going to cancel. Unless something changes, we're not canceling. We're going because it's just going to be a little bit of drizzle. Anyway, we had a couple of guys. We, we get there and there is no rain. But we had a couple of guys just... At the last minute, say I'm not coming. Like the weather, I, I don't know why. I'm but we're, most of the crew. What's great about this crew is if you don't show up, you get called out. Like we talked about behavior and culture. This is a crew where you get called out if you don't show up. Most of our crew calls out the guys that didn't show up because we're thinking because of the weather. We're, I'm guessing. I don't know. Could be anything, but we're thinking because of the weather. Could be anything. It's just a guess. But a lot of guys are calling them out. So because of this, we have one team. That only has two guys that is able to, are able to compete in what I would consider a very rough tag team challenge. So we allowed the infamous Junkyard Dogs, it was their week, to create the tag team challenge. And their challenge was you're going to do a 20-yard slider. Then that guy is going to go and he's going to tag a guy who's on the prowler. The prowler has 140 pounds on it. That person's going to do a 20-yard there and back. They're going to text tag the next guy. He's going to do another 20-yard there and back. Then he's going to run over and tag a guy who's on the farmer's walk that has about 100 and. 10 pounds on it, maybe 120, it has 120 pounds on it. And it's, remember, it's wet. It was like a little bit of a drizzle. 
So now the farmer's walk is hard to carry because it's wet. He's got to carry that thing 20 yards. He goes to the next guy. He's going to tag him, and he is going to do another 20-yard slider. So that's the tag team event, and it's hard. This is not easy to do, and it's easier if you have more guys because they're not going to get fatigued by the entirety of the drill. Well, <laughs> Joe Derrida's team only has two guys that show up. Four, they have six guys on the team. Only two of them show up. So now these two guys, and I love the way uh, Steve Armato said it. He said it. We, we were like the Spartans. We were like the, the few, the, the outnumbered. Uh, we backed ourselves into a quarter. We fought until we died, and that's what they did. So Rob Wallen and Steve Armato, they, they go first. They only have two guys, and they get – I mean, they did great. They, they do great. I think they get about a minute and 13 seconds on their time, but uh, it's not great time. It's not great time, but it's great time for two guys. But if they had more people – if they had either one more guy there, it would have been a lot easier for those two guys to complete the entirety of that drill yourself. So uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing here, but so I'll just skip to the punchline for them. They come in dead last. The next team that goes are the Junkyard Dogs. So they made a challenge. They have four guys there this week. They got Marechko, Galley, uh, Jurczyk, sorry about that, young blood, and Baraji. So they have four guys. Oh, they have five guys. They actually have all five, and they have Strange. So they designed the challenge. They have five guys. Pretty clever by them because now each one of them only needs to do one leg of the event. And they get it in like 56 and a half seconds. All right, cool. They just beat the other team by, I don't know, 17 seconds. My math is a little rough here. Maybe 18 seconds. I'm doing it on the fly. I'm not that good at math. Yeah, I'm an analytics guy, but I need calculator and Excel spreadsheets and all that good stuff. So they go. But, but just to keep it simple, they completely dominate the first team that went. So they have five guys, and now it's pretty clear. You need more guys. You need good guys, you need more guys, and that first team is still smoked from their challenge. So then, who goes last, but last week's champions, the Unreliables. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. These Unreliables, if they all show up, they're really good. I'll say it again. If the Unreliables all show up, they're really good. Now, this, this week, this team has four guys show up. They got Cortese, they got Weintraub, they got Shalasi, Carroll. They're good. These guys are all good. They show up, and what do they get? They get approximately, I'm going to say approximately, they get approximately 54.6 seconds. So they beat the Junkyard Dogs by two seconds. Boom! But wait, there's more. What happens? We have to do a rematch. Why? Because the future, a.k.a. Weintraub, when he was doing the Prowler push, he actually broke the Joe Marechko rule of 2019. What's the Joe Marechko rule of 2019? That is, you push the Prowler past the finish line but you're not touching it, and you start to sprint over to the next event. You're basically breaking the rules. So all rules are you have to be touching the toy when it crosses the finish line. So being a man of the people, I didn't just say these guys are eliminated. I tack on a two-second penalty to that team, which puts them at 56.5. The first team was about 56.6. I said it's too close to call. We got to go again. And, of course, the, uh, the chaos starts coach doesn't know what he's doing that he just wants to see the other team win we definitely smoke them this isn't fair guess what i don't care go back to our constitution rule number 15 if people don't know what that is we actually have a challenge constitution there are 15 rules and the, the 15th rule is coach mahoney can change these rules at any time now once again people i am not unfair i am not cheating for one team i believe that i am i am fair I am very fair. Maybe my, uh, my trigger finger on that stopwatch isn't completely perfect, but it's consistent, and I am fair. And it was too close of a call to make, so we made them go again. So they go again. 
Now the Junkyard Dogs, they go, they go first in this head-to-head tag team challenge. So there's only two teams. The first team, sorry, you're gone. Wallen or Motto, you're out. I'm sure they were happy they didn't have to go again because this was pretty brutal. We make them go again. And the first team, they get basically the same exact time. The Junkyard Dogs, even fatigued, they get about the same exact time. Now what's interesting is that they get about 56.5 seconds. But they probably, <laughs> here's what's interesting about it. They get that same time, even though the great Tom Galley, yes, the guy I've spoken about before, the guy I said that is uh, invincible. I think he's currently undefeated. Let me check the standings right now. Yes, he's 11-0. He's never lost a match. Uh, every time he shows up to a session, he gets 2.8 points per session. He has the highest points per session there is right now. He's tied with Joe Marechko. He's currently number two seed. So I've, I've spoken so highly of this Tom Galley. He gets mad that I speak so highly about it. So you're putting a target on my back. Well, Here's the target galley. He goes first on the sliders. He's great at the sliders. And he is going literally off the field, like <laughs> like onto the grass off the field. So there's a turf field. He is going off the field, like off, the, off of the complex, and he goes about 25 yards. So he probably did, instead of a 20-yard slider, probably did about 30 yards worth of slides. And then he has to sprint back to the guy on the prowler. So even with that, these guys get 56 points. Five seconds, right? Basically about the same time, 56.6 seconds. I can't remember the exact number, but they get about the same time they did the first the first leg, which is extremely impressive because they were fatigued and this wasn't easy. So then the unreliables go, and guess what? They win. They beat them by a second, 55.68. Again, the chaos ensues. Coach, it was less than a second. Uh, your trigger finger's wrong. We definitely beat these guys. You just want them to win. You like them better than us. You hate our team. Yeah. Guess what? Every team thinks I hate their team, and that was not the result. So, sorry, you lost. It was a great effort it, by both teams. It was very impressive, but the unreliables, they win. Okay, so now it takes us to the head-to-head challenge. So the winning team, they all get three points. The winning team gets to pick who they want to go head-to-head. So uh, they say, all right. So Carol just shouts out, all right, I'd like to see Galley versus Baraji. What do you guys think? So Galley's the two-seed, Baraji's the four-seed. Why not? Let's see this, this head-to-head event. So they, okay, what is the challenge? I think Shalashi screams out, do the whole thing by yourself. Now, let's go back to rule number 15. It's Coach Mahoney. It's the Constitution. Coach Mahoney can change the rules at any time. I don't know why Shalashi screaming out the challenge was a great idea. So I said, okay, let's go. Actually, in my mind, I did have them doing the the whole thing by themselves, but I cut it down to make it a little bit more reasonable. So instead of two lengths, like there and back, there and back on the prowler, now it was just like one there and back. So you did a slider. One there and back on the prowler, to a farmer's walk, to a slider, and you're done. So it was a a little easier than the tag team competition, but still relatively brutal after a workout and after these guys had done the tag team challenge twice. So, okay, Uh, we got Galley. We got Galley versus Baraji. So Galley's about to go, and I see Pete Baraji sprinting to his car. And I'm like, this guy's stomach hurt? Like, what's going on here? Is he quitting advanced training? He comes sprinting back from his car, and he's holding this black belt that we have. It's got a little red ridges on it and no plate. So imagine a championship belt with no plate on the front. You ever watch uh, WWF? There's a big plate that says, like, world champion. Well, he has this black belt with no plate on the front. And if you've been following advanced training, you know what that means. It is the money in the bank belt. That's right. A couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, Pete Baraji won money in the bank. And what money in the bank means is that if he, at any challenge, at any time, he can step in and change the rules, again, as long as Coach Mahoney agrees with him. So he can, cha- he can do whatever he wants to do. So he says, sorry, Joe, I'm not going, you are. 
and he points at Joe Marechko and says, you're going in my place. He's like, okay. Then they say, coach, wait, do I have to pick? Who do I have to pick? Can I pick anybody I want or do I have to pick somebody from a team that lost and also doesn't have two head-to-head losses? And I said, uh, Pete, it's your, it's your money in the bank. You choose. So he takes back the challenge from Joe Marechko, which was probably a smart move, and assigns it to the future, a.k.a. Brian Weintraub, who at the time is undefeated. He's 6-0, and undefeated, going against Galley, who's 10-0, and undefeated. This is a matchup that we all want to see. Hell, I wanted to see Baraji and Galley. I also want to see Weintraub and Galley. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in these playoffs. So Marechko off the hook. I think it was a pretty smart move by Baraji to change it out from Marechko. Why? Because if Marechko won or lost, he gets more points, right? So that would only, no matter what happens, it's going to make Marechko go even further away from him in the standings. Right now, Baraji's a four seed. If Marechko gets any more points, he's going to be further away from him. Even if he loses, he's going to be further away from him uh, and get his points even higher away from him as the number one seed. So smart move by Baraji, and Weintraub doesn't have enough points to catch him. So his four seed is locked, and now he's, we can got to get to see what Weintraub's made of. I've been touting how good this guy is and that you shouldn't sleep on him. Let's go. So uh, Galley goes first, and we know Galley. He's just the dude, and he knocks this thing out in one minute and seven seconds. Pretty impressive. But when Galley's done, he looks like he, he wants to puke. I'm like, oh, God, if he's tired, this is going to be rough on anybody. Now, Weintraub, he is, to me, he's a sprinter. Right, he's getting this stuff, bang, bang, bang. He's been really dominating a lot of drills and quietly dominating drills. But I think that Weintraub was a little fatigued from the challenge that had gone on, that they had to go twice, and it showed. So he still did great. Don't get me wrong. He knocked it out in 1 minute and 16 seconds, which is about as fast as Wallen and Armado did it. So it's, he did it as fast as two guys did it together who weren't fatigued from doing it twice. But he lost to Galley by 9 seconds. So it was a good matchup. I would love to see how these guys go to head-to-head when there's not total fatigue involved, like a pre-fatigue involved, but it's a good matchup. So now Weintraub, he is tied for the fifth seed with Cortese, and Galley is sitting comfortably right now as the two seed with 33 points. So this is where we are at with the challenge right now. And the last thing I'll say is we have six guys that have locked in their seeding for the playoffs. Only the top 12 will make it into the playoffs, and we have 17 guys in the program. So you can do the math. We have twelve. We have six guys locked into the playoffs. We have nine people fighting for the last six spots. So nine people fighting for the last six spots. Oh, wait. Let me, let me correct my math here. We have seven people locked into the playoffs. There's only five spots left. We have nine people fighting for the last five spots. So uh, next week's going to be a big one. Hopefully it doesn't uh, drizzle, as Steve Armato said. We might lose a few more guys, but people in, in this group, they are fighting for their playoff lives. And then after that, we get into an NCAA-style NCAA Sweet 16 playoff bracket. All right, people. Hope you enjoyed this one. Please, uh, if you, if you want to support Advanced Training, please support our sponsors. It really will help the program. It helps us. And enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot, a.k.a. like you're not wearing any shoes, a.k.a. like you are wearing Zero Shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of Zero Shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. 
So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.